If you are an international medical student or graduate looking to take your career to the next level by ditching the feeling of being overwhelmed and intimidated by the residency application process, you need the support and guidance that I have to offer you. And I want to tell you exactly how I can do that. I'm offering my comprehensive program that includes online coursework as well as cohort group coaching with community support to help you achieve your goals and succeed when you apply for residency this year. So my program is led by myself, Nina Loom. However, I do have other experienced medical professionals who've walked in your shoes and they understand the specific challenges that we as IMGs face. With my guidance and support and coaching, you'll navigate this complex process of preparing an application that attracts residency interviews. You'll also learn to build your network and gain the confidence and skills that you need to succeed. Free information like I've provided on the podcast is great. However, the rubber meets the road when it comes to implementation. Let me hold your hand and walk you through a process that is guaranteed to bring you results. I cannot wait to see you on the other side. So join now at imgroadmap.com. The IMG Roadmap is the only podcast dedicated to coaching international medical graduates and success blueprints for this unique pathway. I am Dr. Nina Loom, your host, a previous IMG turned hospital medicine physician, healthcare administrator, speaker, and coach. I empower, encourage, and equip you with actionable steps that you can take towards the residency position of your dreams. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the IMG Roadmap Podcast. As you know, this podcast is sponsored by the IMG Roadmap course, which is the only online course that's geared towards helping IMGs orient themselves to the U.S. medical system and prepare for the residency match. So today's guest is Dr. Nioma Nodum. She is an internal medicine resident and she's from Nigeria, but I would Wanted to introduce herself to us because I don't want to steal her shine. Welcome on the podcast, Dr. Nioma. Hi, Nina. Thanks for having me. Very I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I'm glad that you joined us. I'm glad that you made the time to be here as well. I know you have a small one, a newborn, and probably quite a bit juggling a newborn residency and making time for a podcast interview. Yeah, well, and I'm, I apologize for having rescheduling this like how many times? Uh, it's okay. We understand. Life happens to all of us. Yeah. Cool. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself, sort of what level of training you're in? And I mean, you can disclose as much or as little as you want to, but we really want to know like where you went to medical school, where you train now, and what your career goals are. So hi, everyone. Well, what makes me an IMG? I went to school in Nigeria, specifically University of Nigeria and Sukha, and I graduated. I mean, think about is actually nine years ago and I after graduation I did the ex- usual one year internship and then the one year mandatory it's called NYSC I'm not sure what it's called in other countries and then after that I came to the U.S. in 2014 and started studying for the boards so when I wrote my final exams um 2011 I think we're inducted November 2011 or so. But January 2012, I started my internship in Oweri, like at a, a hospital, a tertiary hospital in Oweri. And back home in Nigeria, 
the internship is uh, you spend three months in internal medicine, three months in pediatrics, OBGYN, and um, surgery. So that's really do. So it's a little different from how it is done in the US. So after doing that for one year, I went in for there's also something called mandatory NYSC for every graduate in Nigeria who is younger than 30. It's kind of like ideally working in an underserved area. Um, although I really didn't work in understand, I ended up working in a health consulting firm for a year and maybe 16 months, I would say. After you service, I stayed on a little longer. But after that, what actually, I mean, it was actually one of my friends that just suggested USML. It was never really in my plans because I think personally living abroad was just never my jam just wasn't something I was really interested in but he just suggested it and I'm like oh okay let's see and that was it really that was all that was the first time I ever gave USMLE a thought and um, that was the beginning of my (laughs) American dream journey right so (laughs) you moved to the states in 2014 and then when did you match when did you match into residency yeah, so I I moved July 2014 and I matched 20, 2017, like March 2017. So when I came in, I came in through Kaplan with the F1 visa. Not just me, actually, interestingly, a few of my friends, including the one that had introduced me and a few of my friends from medical school, were all in Kaplan, Houston together. And um, in hindsight, in retrospect, I think how Kaplan helped us it wasn't necessarily Kaplan in and of itself. It was really like we were all together encouraging each other. I won't say we benefited like a whole lot from Kaplan, but being around each other was really helpful. Because the reason I say that is when we're in Kaplan, there were a few other like IMGs who were studying who had this idea that, oh, you have to study for like one or two years for step one. I mean, I'm not saying you should rush it, but then there's really, I mean, you don't have to like study and study and study and like it's... I don't see the benefits, um, especially if you feel that you're ready. Like the more you study doesn't necessarily mean that you are going to score higher in USMLE. So, well, the five or six of us, we had the same plan, um, the same um, goal of actually like applying the next year. So we actually stayed focused regardless of the noise, like what every other person was saying. We all stayed focused and um, wrote our exams, so we're there for each other, the good and the not so great times um, that comes with studying for USMLE. So I think that was what we benefited from the most. Anybody that had any, uh, what do you call it, like any information, useful information, we share it with the other person. And you know what, like all of us have actually matched. I was the only one that didn't match the first time. I think maybe it was just supposed to be that way. But this is just telling you that all of us all wrote our exams in one year. And everybody matched the first time except me. And what I'm the reason I'm saying this is we all ended up matching and almost everybody is either an attending, if you are doing fellowship. So you don't necessarily have to, okay, oh, CK, this one is one year, step one, two years. It's not, I mean, don't make it that way because don't forget that you're also delaying your years of graduation and you really need to account for all that. So that this was the way Kaplan really helped us. And of course, it also helped us remain in the country for longer, not having to go back to Nigeria after six months. And so that was um, taken care of with the F1 visa. Right. So what I'm hearing from you is you came in 2014, but then mm-hmm. you spent a great deal of time with Kaplan, but you feel like you gained accountability 
Not yes. really that the course itself uh, yes. was a pivotal part. It allowed you the immigration benefit of being here as a student. But then with your band of friends that you started with, you had accountability. You had a group that kept yes. one another accountable. And basically you had a study study partners that you didn't look mm-hmm. for, so to speak. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And then I think the second point that you're highlighting, which I just usually say this again so that the listeners can really kind of gather some lessons as they listen on their commutes or wherever they're listening right now, is you're also saying it's time that IMGs ditch the idea that they have to study for many years before they're mm-hmm. eligible to write the test. And you're actually saying, you know, you can do this thing in under a year if you really want to. You don't have to spend one year studying for the USMLE Step 1, which is the case for many IMGs. It ends up being a protracted, prolonged process, which is completely unnecessary and just ends up adding more gap years and doesn't increase their knowledge base because they're studying for longer periods of time. Right. Correct. Yes. You summarize it um, perfectly. That's that's true. Yeah. So, so let me ask you some more questions because, you know, you mentioned not matching the first time. What did mm-hmm. I feel like and what lessons did you learn from it? How did you overcome it? Okay. So for some reason, I took it really well. And I think the reason was, I mean, I, I was maybe not really well, but fairly well. I, I wasn't too devastated. Um, but I think that was because I had a plan B. And the plan B was, so I spent about, uh, I think, 10 months or so in Kaplan. And within that time, I wrote all my exams. So I applied for master's because, like I said earlier, I wasn't necessarily interested in USMLE. What I was interested in was public health if I was going to be in Nigeria. For sure, I wasn't going to participate in Nigeria because I just wasn't interested in what they were doing. It didn't look like the medicine I was in, I would have loved to practice. So. What I, what I, I always had in mind was just doing public health or something in that area. So I applied for a master's degree at Hopkins and uh, I was able to get in their master's degrees um, under a year. So by the time I was done, yeah, I applied for residency and the master's, I started master's at the same time. So when I didn't match, it wasn't too horrible. I was able to eventually get a, a research job at, one, at the Hopkins Hospital. So that was kind of taken care of. And then when I applied the next time, I matched. The other thing I also think helped was, and that's why I said, well, I guess it was supposed to be that way. So where I matched right now, I, I am sure I didn't apply the, here the first time because I didn't even know about the hospital. But because the second time I, I intentionally like went to every hospital on the, I think it's ERAS website, and actually like went to their, each website to find out which ones were taking IMGs and also, and that was how I came across my program. And um, I applied. And then after application, I sent email <laughs> to every email address I could find like of the program directors or I think it's program coordinators, yes. And I sent email to my program director and like in less than 24 hours, he responded, probably went through my application and responded um, positively and sent me an invite. When I came for the interview, I had this gut feeling that this was it. I, I don't know why, like I had that feeling that they liked me and all that. Yeah, well, I ended up here and that way, a few people, these people from my school now know about the program and they also apply whenever like they include it in the application. Because prior to this, even though there are a lot of UNN graduates in the U.S. who have gone through residency, 
I'd never had anybody come to my program. So uh, I think that was a way of at least opening another door chapter for my colleagues. So. Yeah, I think that's pretty awesome because I always tell IMGs, especially when I coach them um, through IMG Roadmap online course, I tell them that they can create an IMG-friendly program because if you find a program that has the capability of sponsoring a visa, basically what you did was you opened up the door for other alumni for your school to now be welcomed at this program because mm-hmm. of you know the how good of a resident you've been or how much they've grown to like you. And that goes a really long way because what you've done is you've paved the way for so many other people. And, and I really think that's good. Hey, I have a, I have a question before I, before I forget because you just talked about this. Mm-hmm. So you took step one, CK and CS in 10 months. Is that right? Yeah, roughly. So I took step one, I think February 2015. CS was, uh, was it April? Something like that, March or April. And CK was, I think, August. So yeah, that was a time. I really really want to emphasize that because that what you're saying is something that you've done because you started Mm -hmm. off the podcast saying, I don't think I'm just a study for one, two, three years. Okay. And then now you tell us, yes. And that's what I did. I did not study for one, two, three years. And I matched on my second attempt. And really, I think that's a very key point because you moved here in April you were in Kaplan till February. You did step one. So technically, mm-hmm. April. I'm sorry. You moved in April, but you July. Did, like, I in July. July. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So technically, August, September, October, November, January, mm-hmm. February. You take step one. In three mm-hmm. months, you take step two, and then mm-hmm. in another three months, you take the CS. And yeah. I really think that's very important because there's this misconception amongst IMGs that we have to study for one year or two years or more. But I think one thing I want to highlight is that it, it sounds to me like you had no choice but to be dedicated with your studying is how you were able to knock it out in 12 Correct. months. Correct. Would yeah. you agree? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And of course, when I remember how, when we remember, because all of us had the same, I mean, background, when we remember how much our parents were spending on accommodation and I mean, we like we, we were just focused, like we're even ready to listen to any noise. We're focused, like. We knew, okay, if we're going to apply um, September 2015, then we needed to, like, this were the deadlines and all this. Especially CS, which is something that can just screw someone up for no good reason. So we had to plan very strategically, all of us. We're like five or six of us. Um, we all had to plan, not just, because it's not just, it's one thing to write the exam, but you also have to remember that it's a time you need to apply. It's not a running application throughout the year. Since it's September, you have to ensure that everything is all lined up and all set to go when the time comes. So playing around that time, the deadline is very important so that you don't get screwed because that can be really painful. Like, I mean, you couldn't apply just because you didn't know that if, if you write the exam at a certain point and it's supposed to come out at this time and then that didn't happen. That I think that's... Uh, it's really, it's, it's very painful. Um, right. Not understanding that scores, you can also have a score delay. So that's another thing. So you yeah. want to make sure that you factor in possibility for a delayed score. And mm-hmm. then you factor in when ERAS opens, which ideally it's typically September, but we're recording this during the COVID pandemic. And there may be some changes this year from what we're learning because their applications may start getting downloaded in October instead of September of 2020. But that being said, it's important that everybody listening is taking notes on it's possible to do these tests in one year. 
if you are focused, mm -hmm. if you are strategic, and if you don't have distractors. Because I think one of the big things is too many distractions prolong the test-taking period. And that mm -hmm. ends up being the reason why I just have gaps that become unpleasant to programs because programs mm -hmm. don't have anything to show for the time that you've been off, such as academic or clinically relevant activity. Correct. So, um, Dr. Nuhama, you know, sometimes on this yeah. podcast, some people feel comfortable to share maybe their performance on the USMLE. Yeah. Is that something that you want to open up about or do you want to just yeah. do some ballpark? Yeah, just go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I can. I mean, even, yeah, so... I didn't like do so well with my on my USMLE and I really would not attribute that to not studying for too long. I was in a <laughs> difficult relationship I would say. So that really kind of affected me overall. But for my step 1 I scored a 217, step 2 223. Step 3 was uh Somewhere around that range, though, CS was the first time. So, yeah, so maybe my scores factor was uh, one of the reasons why I didn't match the first time. I don't know. I mean, some of my colleagues had, like, similar scores or maybe slightly higher. I mean, those I wrote the exam with, but this was way mine worked out. And is it fun fact, and hopefully maybe this will encourage someone, one of my friends, actually the one who encouraged me to go for the for USMLE he got only one interview and he got an interview I think November we had like similar scores and he matched so that's just to tell you that everybody's story is different than this USMLE that Mr. A had seven interviews and you have three interviews or two it doesn't mean that you're not going to match. everybody's story is different and that's what makes you unique of course it's great to have oh I have 10 12 but just don't forget that everybody's story is different. Just focus on yourself and, I mean, of course, pray. But so th these were my scores and my own experience. Anyway. <laughs> wow. No, thanks for sharing that. I, I really agree. And creating a track for ourselves and remembering that our success stories are not going to look the same. We all have different paths and different portfolios even as well. So thanks for sharing that. So do you think that doing the master's degree maybe help maybe the name hop um i guess it i'm i'm sure it must have helped but people match without masters okay but yes i'm sure it helped because it, we talked about it during my interview and all that but people i was only one who did masters out of my friends that i came from nigeria with so people match without masters but yes it I'm sure it helped, but I don't want people thinking they have to do master's, do the master's degree. Yeah. It's always, it's, I mean, it's good to do it if you are interested in it. And it's also, it's also a good plan B because I, that helped me take the not matching, I like absorb the disappointment better because I knew I had a plan B. I mean, I was going to be paid. I was still be doing something meaningful that would look great on my CV. So that helped. But I know people who didn't have masters that um, that matched. Right, I I agree with you on that. Like, if it's not part of your plan, you don't have to make it your plan to think that it'll increase your chances of matching, unless you had a prior interest in it. Because I get this question very often, where I am just asked me if they should go to a master's to increase their chances of getting to residency. But it's not apples for apples. It right. really varies from person to person. So you don't want to go invest time and money into uh, an additional degree program that you're not interested in because you're going to have a hard time passing the exams 
And then right. second, you have other things that you could invest that money into, such as increasing your application number. Mm-hmm. So if it's not within your career goals, you don't have to do it. Mm-hmm. But of course, I, you know, I could see where if you had interest, it probably helped, but it's not uniform across the board. No, it's not. I'm someone that would be okay doing public health. Like I'm, it's not a taboo. Like I'm not, <laughs> I'm not against that. I'm okay doing public health. So I really didn't matter. Some people cannot imagine not practicing clinical medicine. Yeah. So, but, and if you're going to do it, try to do it something that will also be useful or valuable. I mean, it could be clinical research. It could be just something that will also like truly add value, not just some random thing or because you want to do masters. It's not cheap. Uh, you don't want to get frustrated while doing it too, despite spending so much money. Right. So I know something that we've talked about between me and you mm-hmm. has been the J-1 visa, because I had that visa and you also had that when you started your residency. Right. So can you just give us some advice as to what worked for you with the mm-hmm. J-1 as far as getting interviews goes or matching yeah. goes? So, I mean, mine is actually kind of different and I wasn't, so I had written, I actually had my result before I even interviewed in my program, like step three. Okay. And my program offers, um, sponsors H1 visa. However, me and one of my colleagues here in residence were just the unlucky people. I guess we matched when Trump came into administration. So I think they were scared or skeptical instead of H1 being delayed for no, any form of reason let's just give them J1 so ideally would have I would have been on H1 now that being said whether it's J1 or H1 I really just think the bottom line is to match right like a lot of people have gone through J1 and they have green card like someone like you so it's not it's not the end of the world no doubt it's frustrating you can't do a few things like moonlighting or it just comes with its own restrictions but regardless okay both of us are both J1 and H1 we're all resident physicians we're all going to become attendants i may have to look for job a little differently from the H1 but last last we're all going to get to that green card um, status uh, as attending physicians. So if you match on J1, my dear, it's not, it's not the end of the world. And it's really not uh, a big deal as people make it sound. Just if not for anything, remember someone like Nina was on J1 and now has uh, a different status in the country. So right. yeah, yeah, it, it, it is. It, you're right. It's not the end of the world. Like it's, it's a phase. It comes and it goes. I know, of course, when I was doing my waiver for the most recent four years, because I did three years, and then after you do the three years, you still have to spend one year waiting on the application to go through. You know, in the first two years of practice after residency, if someone would have told me this was going to come to pass, I was so nervous and just so obsessed with it. And then here we are. And it's like a thing of the past and I don't even think about it anymore because I have the green card in my hand. So I think the best advice I'll give anybody is just live your life. You know, yeah. just, just enjoy what you have in the moment because even though I had the, the J1, it didn't stop me from doing the things I wanted to do. I still left the country and always replied to come back in. I still did the travel and, and try to enjoy my career um, the best I could. Because you can get caught up in worrying so much about the visa that you miss out on today. 
I really think that it, it's to our advantage to approach it a little differently, like you mentioned. Right. So, Just add to what you said, I also travel home. I mean, like my friends would tell you, I go to Nigeria at least once a year, um, occasionally twice. But since I came to this country, I mean, initially I was an F1, but I think I went home every year, maybe except one year. Uh, but I go home frequently. I was there last year. I was there two years ago, all on J1. I've renewed my visa back home at least twice on J1. So there's really, I mean, I think the only restrictions, so to speak, are like, like I said earlier, the moonlighting in your program or when you're going to look for a job after residency, it can be a little challenging. I would say challenging just because you have to search in certain areas. But then if you start early, that hopefully shouldn't be a problem. But other than that, it's really, it's not the end of the world that I can tell you. At least you've had someone else tell you that. So, and I would say, and talking about like finding a job, you, so I didn't start early, right? Partly because I was pregnant and I actually interviewed in February this year <laughs> while my son was probably a few weeks old. Um, I had to travel for an interview. So, and I still got a job. I mean, I'm not yet done with the whole waiver process, but at least um, we've started it. Uh, so far, there has nothing alarming yet in terms of like deadline and things like that. So, so that just to tell you that it's possible. And of course, if I started earlier, probably by now I'll be done, but that wasn't particularly feasible because of pregnancy and uh, a few other things. So, yeah, well, congratulations. I didn't know that you already had that lined up. That's awesome. Oh, yeah, 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 I have, a, but I'm not done with the long list of, <laughs> right, of things. Right. Um, things. But yes, we've started the process, the whole DOS and all that. I, I'm sorry, since I had my son, I'm just so occupied because I, I don't live with my spouse. So I'm a pseudo single parenting with my mother-in-law. So I have to juggle all these things. So I don't even remember to update anyone <laughs> of anything. I know. I can I can imagine your hands are full. But yes. before you leave us tonight, can you give us some final words of encouragement for any IMG listening? Maybe they're at your medical school or in a medical school in West Africa and they're listening to this and they're thinking, whoa, I mean, I want to be where she's at. Do you have any words for them? Yeah, um, just a few things. One is just always remember that you can do this. It's not an easy journey that many times you can you probably feel like crying or um, frustrated. Or it's okay to feel that way. Just know that all of us who went through that felt the same way and we are on the other side of the road. Secondly is, I mean, I don't know, I'm not trying to sound like somebody's mom or some Christian, but for those of you who are Christians or even Muslims, whatever you believe in, just never forget to pray while you do all of this because Sometimes that helps could give you some peace of mind. It helps guide you in the right direction. I mean, like I said, I mean, for me, marching here, I think it was God's own way of opening another door. Because thankfully, one of my friends just matched from my school. She just matched this current, this, this most recent match. So never forget to just always pray about every, every step. I know it's not easy. That'll probably be the last thing, but trust me, it's, it's going to be the best um, decision. I can't think of any other thing, but uh, I really wish you guys the best. You can do this and I'm sure you'll get through it. 
Yeah. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your pearls of wisdom from your journey. We really appreciate your openness. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me, Nina. And you're doing a really good job. I don't know how you do all that you do. Honestly, most times I'm like, how how does she do it? Like this is this is ridiculous. <laughs> so I, funny. I, I I don't know how you do it, honestly. But um, good job. Thanks. <laughs> sure I appreciate. I I appreciate the feedback. Right now, I'm doing it. I just got back home from a 12-hour shift, so I'm quite sleepy. But I thought we needed to get this done before I go to sleep. I usually just do it. <laughs> and then sleep later. Oh my but God. Thank you. Appreciate it.